Welcome to the Debbie Big Board, part of the Rookie Big Board Network. I am your host for the first time, Matt Cooper. Skip is out this week, so I'm going to be taking the role of host. And joining me for the first time in a while, welcome back, <laughs> is my co-host, Dwight Peebles. Dwight, how you been, man? For the first time in forever. I don't know. <laughs> he said it twice. I had to kind he's of get back, back to and that. he's already singing. We love Already it. singing. Doesn't take long. Yodeling. Take long. <laughs> Not quite yodeling, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, on today's something. show, we are going to be reviewing week two of the college football season. But before we get into it, I want to talk about the ridiculous value of being a rookie big board patron. The rookie big board patrons have access to the Dynasty and Devi big board and consensus crew rankings, the 2024 rookie big board, 2023 seasonal projections, and full access to the RBB Discord. You can join our growing community at patreon.com slash rookiebigboard for just $5 a month or save 15% with an annual subscription. That is cheaper than a subscription to any streaming platform now that they have raised the prices <laughs> on all of them. So you can now try the Rookie Big Board for free, though. Click the link in the episode description to join the free version of our Discord. Get trade help, roster advice, and chop it up with our community of over 250 fantasy football sickos. So, let's jump into week two of the college football slate. Dwight, we're going to go position by position. We're going to start with who looked good in week two, and we'll start with quarterbacks. So, Quinn Ewers had a big game against Alabama. Are we buying in? What do you think of Quinn Ewers after this week, Dwight? Right. It still doesn't change a whole lot for me. It is good to finally see that game, you know, that, that signature game that he needed to finally show us that this is what he's capable of. It was really nice to finally see it, but I'm not buying until I see, you know, a lot more of it. I mean, he struggled the week before against much and much and more inferior competition. So it's good to see him put up this game to see it's there. And this may give you a really nice buy high. Um, hopefully it's not. I mean, hopefully there's more opportunities or and buy high to sell high. Sorry about that. Um, this might give you an opportunity to do that. Um, I'm still not 100% sold that he's legit, but I mean, yeah, it, it's good to see. So. Yeah, I mean, I think based on what he's put on his college tape before this week, he wouldn't even be considered a serious NFL prospect if it wasn't for his five-star pedigree. Like that's kind of right. been propping him up for a long, long time. So from what I've seen, his entire college career, his decision-making is iffy. His mechanics and accuracy are inconsistent. Uh, I just don't know that he's got the intangibles I want in a quarterback. When you talk about leadership, poise, killer instinct, he kind of just looks panicky when he gets under pressure. The moment usually seems too big for him. And so obviously he looked – really good this week he made some really nice throws it was a big moment on a big stage against a big team and he showed up so um this is a little bit of stock up for him i think for me but i was so much lower on him than consensus before this that he still doesn't rise as into the buy realm for me off of just this game right. i would say um yeah. i probably would have had him you know, like you've got your tier one of, of Caleb, Drake, and then you add in J.J. McCarthy, Penix, Shadur Sanders, uh, a bunch of those guys I have ahead of him and still have ahead of him. And he's kind of in that tier with me uh, of like Riley Leonard, K.J. Jefferson, some guys that have physical traits, but 
are a little bit of a developmental project, I would put Quinn Ewers in that category at this point. And so that's a lot lower than most people have him. That's lower than he's going in drafts. So he might even still be a sell for me just off of this big game if you can do it. But he did look really good. So moving on, speaking of Shador Sanders, he looks <laughs> like the real deal. He has played really well two weeks in a row. Uh, Kuiper made him his QB3 in the 2024 draft class. What do you think, Dwight? Are you uh, buying the hype on Shador Sanders? <laughs> Once again, not, not to be a naysayer, but not yet. Not yet. I mean, either you could make a very strong argument. He's quarterback three, but I don't know what that gives him at this point. Uh, it's definitely nice to see him doing what, what he's doing. I mean, he's throwing the ball all over. Uh, unfortunately, the system there, trying to draw a blank as their offensive coordinator right now. Uh, God, the guy they brought in. I, I should be better prepared for this. Anyways, the guy they brought in, Sean Lewis. There you go. Sean mm-hmm. Lewis has that system that highlights the quick throws, things like that. There still is not a lot on on what I've seen thus far in the two games. There's not a lot of going through progressions, you know, of running, of taking off, tucking down, running when it's when it's time to run. You know, he's still very much a pocket passer. Very much still needs some work on processing defenses. Uh, using checkdowns, things like that. But what he's doing right now is, is definitely nice to see. But as far as his overall development, there's still a little ways to go before I say he's QB3. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's very much in the conversation for me. Um, he's, you know, now that you're starting to see him string it together multiple times in a row against Power 5 teams, uh, and you're seeing guys like Kuiper take note. Not that Kuiper is like, the end all be all of everything, but he is pretty well connected in NFL circles. And not only did he say he was his QB three, but that he was a lock to be a first round pick. Now, I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but if he is a first round pick, obviously he's a tremendously valuable Debbie asset. And so you've got a guy who's well connected in NFL circles saying that that feels like a lock. Um, It's, it's looking good for Shador Sanders and, and he passes the eye test for me watching him play. So he's a riser for me. He's right up there um, for me after the top two of Caleb and Drake May. Uh, I think it's a pretty tight race for QB three between guys like JJ McCarthy and Michael Penix. And I throw Shador Sanders in there. So he's definitely putting his mark on the college football landscape, making himself a serious Debbie name. Um, and I'm buying it a little bit. I would say I'm not like I'm not going to go sell the farm to buy him, but <laughs> but fair. I like what I'm seeing. I definitely like what I'm seeing. All right, so uh, Connor Wegman is doing all that he can to establish himself, and he has looked pretty good through a couple of weeks. They obviously lost to Miami this week, but he had a pretty solid game, and uh, he's got the five star pedigree coming into year two. What are your thoughts on Connor Wegman? Uh, definitely, I like seeing what he's done as well. He's been very impressive. It's nice to see that that Texas A&M offense actually kind of growing a little bit. Uh, obviously, they did lose to Miami, but they it wasn't the offensive's fault. I mean, the defense couldn't stop anybody. I mean, shoot, anybody could have scored on them that game, it looked like. So it's nice to see Wegman pushing the ball downfield, using his, his targets. He's spreading the ball around. Um, it's nice to see because I was kind of scared that that system was just going to swallow him whole and he was going to go in as a highly ranked guy and come out as nothing, you know, and have to transfer to even try to save his any bit of draft stock he can. So it's really nice to see him doing things that we'd like to see him do. I haven't watched as close as I'd like, 
you know, but I, but what I've seen has been, it's been impressive. It's something that I wasn't sure he was capable of doing. So, yeah, I haven't watched him super close either. Um, honestly, the 2025 quarterback class is wide open right now. I mean, you've got Alar, who's only got a couple starts under his belt against very low level of competition. You've got uh, Klubnik, who if we have time, we're going to talk about him later. He has not looked the best. And so it, it's it looks like a weaker quarterback class. It's wide open for a guy like Wegman to come in and really establish himself and um, definitely curious to see what he does when he gets to SEC level of competition. Is he able to keep up this level of play? So um, next on here, we've got Dante Moore. We won't spend a ton of time on this because I know Skip and I talked about it last week. But Dwight, I want to hear your thoughts on Dante Moore since you haven't been with us on the show. Right. He's just impressed me. I mean, I think we I noticed in our Debbie rankings on campus to Canton, they moved him up to five overall, which was super impressive. I like watching him. I What he's done is. I was a little worried about the system he came from here in, in Michigan that he wasn't going to do. You know, there was a little bit of things, a little bit of timidness in his game, a little bit of safeness. I like seeing that he's pushing the ball downfield and I've, he's been super impressive. Like the composure for a freshman in the situation he's been put in is just, it's ultra, ultra impressive. So I think the sky's the limit for Dante Moore. So. Yeah, absolutely. He looks like the real deal. Skip and I have been pushing that train for a while and really excited about how good he's looked. So let's move on to the running back position. We'll have to pick up our pace a little bit here, but uh, Devin Neal, I think has looked incredible through two weeks. He's somebody that I frankly have not given enough credit to, haven't paid enough attention to with him playing at Kansas and being in a committee at Kansas, not known as a football school. They're not usually on, on TV. Um, but he has caught my attention. He looks absolutely electric for a guy his size. Uh, and the the movement skills, the lateral cutting ability, he is just making guys miss in the hole. He's involved in the passing game. So a lot of the traits that I really like to see out of the running back position, I'm seeing from Devin Neal. He's off to a strong start this season. Where where would you have Devin Neal uh, amongst the 2024 running back class? Shoot, the way the, tra- the way the class is shaking out now, he's got a chance to get up in the top two or three. I mean, it's, yeah. been, it's been fairly disappointing this season for it the has. 2024 guys. Um, he's a guy that I don't know why has not gotten more publicity. Maybe it is the Kansas thing. Like you mentioned, I, I love his, his size. Uh, he's got like the perfect prototypical size you want. His acceleration's good. His contact balance is good. His vision's good. He's not the flashiest guy in the world, but I just uh, he can catch the ball. And he just does everything really, really well. well. Is he elite at anything? I'm not sure, but I think that's kind of what we we like those guys that have that elite trait. And I don't think he has one, but he has enough of them that are very, very good that he could be a he's going to be a three down back in the NFL. So it's just a matter of where he lands and who gives him the opportunity. And, you know, he may not be a guy that challenges for an RB once, you know, the RB one overall or anything, but I can see him being like a low end RB one, you know, RB 10, 12, you know, ish range for many, many years. So I, I love Neil. He's, he's one of my favorite prospects. Yeah. He certainly is a riser for me. And I, I think he's making a strong case for being top five running back in this draft class. I mean, you've got, kind of your top four guys are all struggling a little bit right now. Like you mentioned, Um, I mean, you got Henderson, Sanders, Braylon Allen, Donovan Edwards, all not looking so hot right now. Uh, And then Devin Neal looks awesome. So I think he's definitely, he's making himself a strong case. So let's move along 
Another guy, another running back that has looked great for a couple of weeks in a row now is Audric Estime from Notre Dame. And he was not on my radar coming into the year, but he has had a couple of really good games in a row. Statistically, he's a big guy, 227 pounds, runs like a freight train, is breaking a lot of tackles. He looks good from what I've seen on tape. I watched the game this week because I'm an NC State grad, so I watched my boys get smacked down by Notre Dame. It was a little disappointing, but uh, Estime was a guy that stood out on film. He just torched us. So what do you think? Is he a serious Debbie asset? For me, he's not. I mean, I, I just don't see the, like we just talked about the elites that elite, and I don't even see a lot of very good traits in him. He's a good power back. Um, I, I'm not overall impressed with his lateral agility movement skills. Um, we haven't seen a lot of him as pass catcher yet. Uh, just kind of a, you know, North South, you know, guy that gets some yards, um, uh, a little bit of a loose, a little bit of a little tiny bit of wiggle, you know, to make a couple people miss shifting the holes. I just don't see it. It's a guy who I had very little uh, Debbie value going into the season. And and I saw somebody over overspend for him in a Debbie league. And I was just like, okay, you know, <laughs> if you want, but it's, it's just not there for me. No, I don't, I don't see him as a valid one. Okay. But. I have not watched enough of him yet to, to say one way or the other, really, like I said, he wasn't on my radar coming into the year, and uh, and I have seen some highlights, and then obviously, like I said, I watched the game this weekend. So he has caught my attention to where I want to take a deeper look. Uh, he broke away an 80-yard touchdown run this weekend, which, you know, that's some pretty good to have breakaway speed for a guy that's 227 pounds. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a deeper look at this guy just because I, I have not watched enough of his tape to even say whether I think he's a serious Debbie asset or not, but I'm intrigued. So moving right along, a guy that I think it is safe to say is a Debbie asset. Blake Corum had another big game and it seems like nobody ever wants to talk about Blake Corum. I mean, here he is, he's come back. Everybody thought he would go pro last year. He didn't. There was some injury stuff that factored into that. Um, and I think honestly, everybody just gave a giant sigh, like, oh, I just wanted to see Donovan Edwards. And here's this annoying Blake Corum guy. Uh, so far, Blake Corum looks miles better than Donovan Edwards. What do you think? Should we be taking him more seriously as a Debbie asset? Yes and no. I, I do think he's he's going to have a role in the NFL, but he's not going to be you know, a, a bell cow, you know, he's not going to be a, is there a bell cow anymore in the NFL though? You know, it's getting to be where it's starting to be less and less of a term. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't even think he's a guy that can carve out enough of a role to be truly fantasy relevant. Um, as far as his inside running, I just don't see it. The holes he gets in Michigan are giant. Um, I don't see the ability for him to, I don't see him creating a whole ton on his own. Um, but once he gets to that second level, he's got the elusiveness. He can run through. He's got a you know decent enough power to run through tackle, tackles, shiftiness, you know, lateral agility. But I just don't see the creativeness and you, enough to be like an elite. But at the same time, I think to just throw him aside and say he's RB twelve in the next class, which I've seen him as low as, I think is a little bit. Um, I don't know. Disrespectful. Candy ass. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Disrespectful. Yeah, edit that part. Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, that's much better than my term. But yeah, I, I think it's a little, little bit disrespectful. But I, I do think he's got some sort of future. But I, I just don't know how much he's going to be at the next level. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, obviously he's a smaller guy, but he's built like a brick house. I mean, you think about guys like 
Doug Martin, the muscle hamster that, you know, they're short, but they're stocky and they got the BMI and the weight. Like I think he could hold up to an NFL beating a little bit better, even than some of the guys that we've been excited about lately, like a James Cook or Devin A. Chain. So as the NFL moves smaller and smaller, here comes this guy, Blake Corum, where the biggest knock on him is his size. And so, uh, and he's, he's thicker and heavier than those guys are. So I think he's got a chance and, and he does have some electric to his game. It's just the way he can make people miss and um, just create something out of nothing is impressive at times, but uh, yeah, he's, I think probably a little, people are too low on him, but I agree with you that the upside is somewhat limited there. So uh, a guy you wrote down on the list, Ashton, <laughs> Ashton Jaunty. Is that how you say his name? I don't even know. I would um, guess Jaunty. Boise State. <laughs> is he a yeah. Debbie asset? I really think he is. I, I don't know why. I mean, us, a lot of us at C2C have, lo- have loved him ever since he came out. Uh, this guy, he's 5'9", five, five, right around 200 pounds. I'd like to see him add a little bit more weight. But the electric, his electricity when he runs the ball and his ability to pass, to catch passes, I mean, you don't see it against, obviously, at Boise State. You don't see it against some of the highest competition. What he does with the ball in his hands, he's creative. He's got that lateral agility, the ability to make people miss. So just a guy keep on your radars. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, you know, go investing a first round pick on him next year or anything like that. But I think he's a guy we got to be who needs to be on our Debbie radars. Okay. Color me intrigued. This is a guy I have not watched a single second of. And so I'm not going to add a comment. But if Dwight likes him, then it's enough for me to take a look. So uh, get Ashton Jaunty, Gianti, however you say it, on your radar. <laughs> Let's move along to wide receivers here. Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, and Rome Odunze all have looked incredible to this point uh, through two weeks of the college season uh, with actually, I guess, did any of these guys play guys play week zero? So they all have two games. They've all looked really good, I think. Uh, and they're all these six foot three plus alpha type wide receivers. All of them, I've seen tweets about all these guys like, oh, future first round pick. Is it an overreaction to say that they could all be first round picks in April? Um, not anymore. I mean, I, I think we can see what is that? I think the average is like five typically that go in the first round. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that number pulled right in front of me, but I know that there's usually at least four to six, you know, that then go first yeah. round. So I think it's possible. Um, I'm not sure though, because there's you know, you got Harrison, Abuka, you know, there's other guys that are going to figure into that conversation. I think it's tough to say they're all three first round, but they all are going to be very early picks. You know? And there's in an era where we're getting away from those six foot three guys, all three of these guys do different things, you know, that make them more than just a tall receiver. So I mm-hmm. think, he, you know, as much as I love Keon Coleman, I think he's probably the le- the least developed of all these guys. But mm-hmm. I also think his upside might be the highest because of his athleticism. Whereas Franklin and Adunze are more polished you guys that will probably be right off the, right off the bat, you know, very, very good receivers. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's not far fetched to say it, but I, I think it'd be pretty unlikely that they all go in the first round. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like if you're doing lottery odds, right? Like what is the probability of all three of these guys being first round picks? It might be pretty low, but each of these guys individually have things that I lo- love in their game and, and could see them, rising to to that point um they certainly are playing really well right now they've got the hype they've got the the measurables 
that you want in an alpha wide receiver. And they're putting a lot of the traits on film that I love to see. Keon Coleman, even I did, um, I, I got a little bit of early access to some all 22 on his game against LSU and was really excited to see some of the routes that he ran. I, I, I was kind of thinking, oh, he's just this big bodied guy just going up making contested catches, but he ran some nice crisp routes at his size, six foot four, 200 plus pounds. Troy Franklin. Uh, runs some really nice crisp routes. Um, I think all of these guys look like future NFL players, and um, I'm, I'm buying in on all three of them at this point. So let's move along. Uh, those were a couple of 2024 guys. Let's talk the 2025 wide receiver class, the sophomores. Uh, so three guys that had a big week this week, uh, Ted McMillan, Barryon Brown, and Luther Burden all had big games. You could throw Evan Stewart had a huge game too, but we talked about him last week, so I didn't want to double down. But uh, let's talk about Ted McMillan, Barry on Brown, Luther Burden. How would you rank these three at the at this point? Um, at that point, shoot, it, it's tough. They're both all three of these guys are very, 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 very close. I think I like Ted a little bit more um, than Luther, even though Luther's got the, the pedigree, you know, the recruiting pedigree of being a five star, being the top receiver in the class. I just like what I've seen from Tet better. Um, Barry and Brown's kind of a shade behind Burden. I think all three of these guys are very, very close, though. I'd probably go McMillan, Burden, Brown. I'm trying to think right now of things that I, I like about each of these guys. I think we can almost put them in the same boat as the last three guys we talked about. You know, all of them have the ability to be the wide receiver one, you know, for their respective teams wherever they land. All three are a bit bit on the taller side. If I, I'm having trouble remembering Barry in size, but I think he's like six one, isn't he? I'm drawing a blank. I can find out for you in just a second. Barry, <laughs> yeah, I think they're all over six foot. Listed yeah. at six foot one, 166 pounds. So right, he's a little skinny got to grow a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> although that's not a death sentence by anything anymore. I mean, after we've seen guys like Devontae Smith, you know, be successful. Yeah, Addison so, even this year. Right. I think all three of these guys have really, really big potential. I'd like to see Burden uh, get more of that alpha mentality, um, develop more as as a complete receiver. Tet, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just not. He's getting great opportunities out there. Arizona, he just he's I'd like to see him be a little bit more than Brown. You know, obviously Leary's helping his development a little bit, having a, a good quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> so I think all three of these guys have a lot of potential coming out. I mean, they'll all be next next year. All three of these guys will probably be talking about first, second round next year. So yeah, Barry on Brown is just electric with the ball in his hands. And, right. and Burden's the same way. So they're both a little bit more gadgety after the catch. They're both involved in the return game. And those are two guys that I would like to see show continued development as like pure wide receivers and not just catch it at the line of scrimmage or return a kick or whatever. Um, so get, get them a little bit more refined in, in their skill set with route running and these types of right. things. And you're starting to see some signs of that. Luther Burden has had two games in a row now of uh, – putting up really good wide receiver stats. He's not depending on like, oh, he got a rushing touchdown and he got a punt return. Like he is playing receiver. He's he's racking up the receptions. He's racking up the yards. And so you love to see that. He's catching passes down the field. Would love to just continue to see more and more of that out of Luther Burden. So at this point, if I had to order them, I think I would go same order that you just said, I would go Tet and then Burden and then Barry on Brown. But I, I agree with you. They're all pretty close at this point. So uh, let's move on to tight end. Yeah. 
JT Sanders looked great this week against Alabama, over 100 yards. Uh, he has been kind of the consensus tight end two behind Brock Bowers for a while now, but he's like way behind Brock Bowers. Like you're seeing Brock Bowers go round one, and you might not see Sanders go until round four in a Debbie draft. Uh, tight end is always so hard. What do you think about JT Sanders? Uh, are you buying in after this performance against Alabama? Um, I, don't, I don't know if you could buy in more than people already have bought in. He's been the the consensus, seems like Debbie tight end too for a while. I mean, any drafts you saw, he was, you know, routinely shortly after Bowers, it, you know, especially tight end premium. So, yeah, I, I love Sanders. I think he's got the – I just think he's got that – he plays like a wide receiver and the way mm-hmm. he runs routes, his hands after the ball, and, and then he's got that size. Obviously, we'll need to work a little bit on blocking, but – I mean, he's going to be a move tight end. And, yeah, and, and you almost don't want him to be good at blocking because if he's good at blocking, <laughs> then they'll ask him to block, and you want him to catch passes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, tight end is always like a total mystery box until you see what kind of draft capital they get. But 100 yards against Alabama is never a bad thing. So in just a minute, we're going to move on to players that didn't look so good in week two. Uh, but before that, we want to take the, take the time to make sure that you know that the Rookie Big Board is now partnered with Underdog Fantasy Football. This is the best app for fantasy contests. You can join drafts for just $3 and gain a real understanding of seasonal ADP trends. It's like mock drafting, but with something on the line. The entire RBB crew is drafting on Underdog Daily. You can join us by using the promo code RBB, and it will get a 100% match on your first deposit and help us grow. <laughs> So without further ado, let's jump into some players that did not look so good in week two. Starting at quarterback, Jalen Milrow. Uh, I've seen him <laughs> drafted in basically every Debbie league. I think people just want to get a piece of that Alabama pedigree. It, it, whoever the Alabama quarterback is, I want that guy. Well, it turns out that the Alabama quarterback is Jalen Milrow, and he did not look so good this week. I would go as far as to say he is not – a Debbie asset. He did not look like anywhere close to NFL standards as a passer. What did you think, Dwight? Right. I I didn't think he was going into the season and, but that week one kind of gave us a little bit of false sense of maybe, you know, maybe he is. (laughs) And then, and then yeah, against Texas, he just saw, I can't, he can't read the defense. He doesn't know how Mm -hmm. to, he doesn't settle down in the pocket. He doesn't know how to go through progressions. Uh, he seemed flustered. Uh, he made a couple really good long deep throws, but it's the throws, the intermediate throws, the throws in the sidelines. You know, you just need to see more of, especially with. We'll talk a little bit about about how bad their wide receivers are, but they're still a pretty damn good group of wide receivers. And I know the offensive line didn't give him a ton of time, but nah, I just yeah, I was out before this, and I'm just still out. Yeah. So if you can sell just based on, hey, he's the Alabama quarterback, he's dual threat, he's got the Konami code. I think most people who play Debbie are like paying enough attention that they're not going to fall for that. <laughs> but if you can still right. get anything for Jalen Milrow, I would try to do it. I don't think he's a future NFL player. And I think he's bad enough, that, uh, and it's limiting the offense enough, that it's it's actually going to affect the wide receivers, like you said. So even a guy like Isaiah Bond, who I think has some some NFL upside, is going to be held back for as long as Jalen Milrow is the starter. Right. So moving right along, Cade Klubnik, um, if you look at the box score, he looked like he had a pretty good game this week, uh, although it started with a pick six. 
uh, against a pretty low level Charleston Southern, pretty low level of competition. <laughs> and obviously he looked terrible last week against Duke. So where are you at with kid Klubnik? Just, uh, I'm still scared that, you know, is it really truly this Clemson offense that's holding them back? Uh, you know, cause that's something that we all said held DJU back. You know, the fact that their wide receivers do not, you know, they're not developed. They're not versatile enough, but just from what I see from him, he just doesn't push the ball downfield. Um, he doesn't take chances downfield. He's he's too safe. He's too careful. His average depth of target is terrible. Uh, he's just he's just not it, you know. So I don't know. Is it really true this offense holding back? You know, is Dabo not letting Garrett Riley do what Garrett Riley can do? Uh, I don't know. It's just there's a lot too many questions at this point. If you can sell him, I would. I just I fear that if that is the system, to another year of this system is going to do what it did to DJU and. I think it's it's hard for a quarterback to return once they start having too many bad habits and too many. Yeah, and for a guy who you say is careful, he sure throws a lot of turnover-worthy passes. He does. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> he does. I mean, it, it's not looking too good for Cade Klubnik right. right now. Let's move along to running back. Uh, two guys this week that really disappointed, Braylon Allen and Donovan Edwards, two huge names in the 2024 running back class. Let's talk about – Braylon Allen here. I mean, he was barely involved. I forget exactly what his stat line was, but it, it was like four carries, something like that. Uh, was outtouched by Ches Malusi, and uh, it's it's not looking good for Braylon Allen. I mean, last week we were talking about him as stock up because he had those seven receptions, but uh, this week the the floor just fell out from under him. What do you think? Is it just a bad week? Is he going to bounce back? What's your reaction to this bad? Uh, okay. So he had seven carries, 20 yards. I just pulled it up. What's your reaction to this seven carry 20 yard performance from Braylon Allen? I'm not overly worried yet. I think it was a, a product of playing against Washington state. You know, they were down early. They were playing catch up all game. Uh, it seems like the team wants to go to this, more progressive offense, you know, where they throw the ball more, the dairy raid, as I've heard it called. Um, and it's just, it's just not there yet. The offense is not clicking there. The quarterback's not clicking the wide receivers. The, I mean, it's just, it's not conducive to Braylon Allen. As far as him as a talent, I'm not any bit worried. Yeah. Interestingly enough, he had six receptions this week, which brings him to 13 on the season, which is the amount that he had all of last season. So that's an encouraging sign, um, but the yardage wasn't there. Skip, when we talked about it last week, Skip made the point, okay, it's seven receptions, but it's only 25 yards. This week is even worse. It was six receptions, only 12 yards. So <laughs> nice. these are really just these dump-off pass passes. There's no yards after the catch happening right now. Uh, it's encouraging to see him involved in the passing game, but we're definitely going to want to see more moving forward. So this is a situation to keep your eye on. And then Donovan Edwards, all right, running behind the same offensive line as Blake Corum. This is two weeks in a row now where Blake Corum has had a monster game and Donovan Edwards has had a total dud uh, running behind the same line with a very similar amount of touches. What's going on with Donovan Edwards and how worried are you about it? Yeah, well, I'm, again, not terribly worried. I think it's just a product of – you know, they're definitely for, they're given the hot hand. You know, they're whenever they were both on the field before, Quorum did always get quite a bit more carries and quite a bit more touches. And that's why I think everybody wanted Quorum to leave, is so we could really truly see what Edwards can do. 
Um, so I'm not terribly worried. Um, if it continues as the season goes along, I, you know, might have a little different thought process, but not yet. Yeah. So as far as, um, C2C leagues where you're, you know, talking about college fantasy points, which this is a Debbie show. So we don't worry too much about that. I've totally taken Edwards out of my lineup. I'm not starting him again until I see it. Um, he doesn't seem startable in that, in that sense. And I think the concern for me is that it's this low level of competition, right? Like averaging one and a half yards per carry this week, three yards per carry last week against UNLV and ECU, um, both games blowouts and you're not even seeing like garbage time production from Donovan Edwards. There's a little bit of concern there for me uh, just because it is, this is now his third year in a row where the production has not been what you wanted it to be. And so that means his overall production profile when he comes out uh, to the draft is probably going to be pretty lackluster. So um, I'm concerned for sure. Um, and I don't think it's going to change any t- anytime soon, barring a quorum injury, because he's going to have these really limited touch counts. It's going to be hard for him to get in any kind of momentum going. So, uh, yeah, something to monitor, but he's a stock down for me. Like, I probably would take Devin Neal ahead of Donovan Edwards right now, um, yeah. given the choice. Let's move along before. to wide receiver. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. I was there before. So. <laughs> you, were already, you were already there. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I know Matt Hicks is not there. He loves him some Donovan Edwards. So yeah, but- uh, moving along to wide receiver here. Um, not too many wide receivers had real dud performances this week. I actually put James uh, – James, Xavier Worthy on the sheet. James Worthy is a basketball player. Xavier <laughs> Worthy on the sheet. Uh, and he had a pretty decent box score, but he did have another big drop, which continues to be an issue. He's still skinny, still seems to be struggling with physicality. <laughs> and so he kind of seems like the same player he's always been. And he's probably going to put up another good year of college production. But I think he's going to be a guy that uh, I'm going to have concerns about at the next level. What do you think about Xavier Worthy? Yep. I, I have always been concerned about him. I, I know they're – you know, when he had that big drop, they're like, maybe the hand's not healed. Maybe the hand's not healed. You know, I, I'm tired of hearing that. At some point, there's <laughs> got to be, you know, there's excuses. There's the thing is, he's got that the size issues, you know, like I just mentioned before, Devontae Smith succeeded. Xavier Worthy is nowhere near as good as Devontae Smith. But like, I'm sorry, there's not enough in his game that makes me love him as a prospect to think that he can succeed despite his size. So can he be a successful NFL receiver? Pos- probably. But is he ever going to be like a successful fantasy guy that we can rely on? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm with you on that. His stock is is trending down for me, even as he puts up big box scores. I think you could still sell him, and he's a guy that I would be looking to sell. So tight end, we'll kind of breeze over here. There's not that many names to talk about in general. Um, It's been a slow couple of weeks for Brock Bowers, but I'm not worried. I mean, we know what kind of talent he is, so – um, let's move on to previewing week three here. Uh, what are some, who are some guys that you want to watch in week three of college football? It's kind of an ugly, ugly week as far as like premier matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, you had put on there the Washington receivers, receiver trio, Michael Penix against Michigan state. Um, that's kind of unfair. <laughs> I know Michigan state's going through and we couldn't stop them last year and we weren't going through the stuff we're going through this year. I am a Michigan state fan. So, <clears throat> anybody doesn't know yeah I maybe just put this there because they yeah. they've obviously been such a hot start to the season and right. uh, but the level of competition has been pretty low and so now oh, they're yeah. going up against a big 10 defense and so uh this might be one of the tougher matchups that they get this year 
uh, just right. playing in the Pac-12. They're not exactly a conference that's known for their defense. So uh, I'm curious to see just what these three NFL future Washington players, uh, right. being Penix, Odunze, and McMillan, how they look against Michigan State. Um, like you said, it's a pretty ugly slate overall. So when I was <laughs> looking at the games, that was one of the few that really stuck out to me as, as something that I was curious to watch. Right. And South Carolina and Georgia. I mean, Georgia's not, does not, has a pretty weak schedule. This is honestly one of the tougher games they're going to play, which is crazy because South Carolina has not been great. Um, but they have the potential. You know, they do have an offense that could cause problems, that can score points, that can click. You know, they throttled Tennessee last year, beat Clemson. You know, they are capable of doing it. But, you know, it's just, it's one of the first tests for Georgia. I don't think it's going to be much of a test. And then um, Tennessee and Florida, I'd like to see Tennessee's offense start clicking. It, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't I mean, they struggled at, this week against a very low level of competition. And so what are they going to look like against an SEC defense? Is this where the Joe Milton hype is going to come crashing down because he gets his first real test and looks terrible? We'll see. So that's definitely one to watch as well. Uh, so – Let's get out of here. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you have not already, do us a favor and leave a five-star review on whichever podcast app you're using. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss any of the RBB action. Uh, for us, this is Dwight. I'm Matt. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.